Welcome to Full Circle Women's Health Podcast, a podcast aimed at empowering women to better understand and manage their health. I'm Dominique Vorm, a women's health GP, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Preetam Ganu, gynecologist at Full Circle Obstetrics and Gynecology. Welcome. Welcome to Full Circle Family. Full Circle Obstetrics and Gynecology is specialized women's health practice in South Australia, which provides holistic care to women and girls of all ages in all phases of their life and with all backgrounds. Thank you for listening to all our previous episodes and giving us feedback. We really appreciate it. If you haven't listened to our previous episodes yet, you can go to any of your favorite podcast listening platform and listen to our podcast. We talked about normal periods, polycystic ovary syndrome and endometriosis before. So this episode, we are going to talk about heavy menstrual bleeding. That's right. And it's a big topic, Freetam. So we've been chatting about maybe splitting that into two. So today we might go through what does it mean to have heavy periods, what some of the possible causes are and how we as doctors might investigate that. And then next week we're planning on going into a bit more detail about the different management strategies for each of those common causes. And so why don't you start by reminding our listeners what it means to have heavy menstrual periods. Yeah, so that's really important to understand uh, because when we did our first episode, a lot of listeners told me that they were very surprised to find out that one fully soaked tampon, which is regular size, can only hold like 5 ml blood sort of thing. Medically, we define heavy menstrual periods as having bleeding more than 80 ml in menstrual period or a period which is lasting for more than seven days. But for practical purposes, it's really difficult to measure how much amount of blood loss we have. So NICE guidelines, NICE is the organization in UK which develops different guidelines. Mm -hmm. They have defined heavy menstrual bleeding as excessive menstrual blood loss, which interferes with women's physical, emotional, social and material quality of life and which can occur alone or in combination with other symptoms. Any intervention should aim to improve the quality of life that majors. Mm. So I think this is a very important highlight that sometimes you find a patient who always had heavy periods and they take time off work and uh, don't realize that this can be treated. And the definition wise, if it affects their life, whether it is social life or normal life, it needs to be treated. That mm. We call it as a heavy bleeding. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important message that it's all about that quality of life and um, we're interested in helping support women achieve their goals to be able to live a normal life and not have to be thinking about, you know, when, where the nearest toilet is or yeah. when they're due for a pad or a tampon change. Yeah. Um, so this is a really common problem, Preetam, and it's something I've come across a lot in general practice and I know that you would see a lot of it in your gynecology practice. It can affect women of all ages from puberty to perimenopause and actually those are some of the more common times when that can cause problems for women. So how common is it in a woman's life to have heavy menstrual bleeding? So, like, again, as I said before, that sometimes women don't realize and don't present to doctors and suffer for a long time. Or in some patients, and you may have seen in your practice as well, that women may be presenting because they're feeling very tired and they have an iron deficiency. And then they realize that the cause is heavy menstrual bleeding. But a few years back when they did a big research in U.S. to look at the impact of the heavy menstrual bleeding, they found that almost one in five women suffer with the heavy menstrual blood loss and almost like 21% women presenting to gynecological OPD are suffering with the heavy menstrual bleeding. Wow. Yeah. So one in five is huge. And if it's not someone in your family, it might be you or a friend. So 
So this is a really relevant topic for listeners. Yeah, definitely. Um, and really relevant for us to understand those causes as well. Yeah. Um, Do you want to highlight a little bit when you see patient in your a clinic how that affects how that impacts their life mm. or what their common presentations are? Well, you mentioned earlier iron deficiency, and that's a really common consequence of heavy period loss. So often we will see women who come in saying that they're quite tired or might be having a bit of lightheadedness, particularly when moving around. So going from sitting to standing or lying down to standing up. And, and that always makes me think, you know, could iron be low? We'll inevitably do a blood test and find that, yes, actually it is low. So that'll lead to me having a conversation with the woman in front of me as to why that iron might be low. Is it that she's not having enough in her diet or is it that she's losing some iron from blood loss? And definitely the most common reason that women are low in iron is from regular period blood loss. And that's commonly a time when a woman will actually realize that her periods are heavier than the average. And I generally say to a woman, you know, if you're having to change pads or tampons less than every two hours or passing big cloths, like more than 50 cent coin or 20 cent coin size, or it's stopping you from living your normal life, and then that's too heavy. Um, and then we need to look into possible causes and, and manage that so that it's not causing so many problems for her. Um, and there are a big range of different things that can contribute to heavy periods. So we'll go through that, you know, one at a time. Yeah, I think you really uh, mentioned very important thing that if you need to change pads or tampon very frequently, then that's heavy. Or if you have a blood clots, mm. that's a sign that you are having quite heavy periods. Yeah. And as you said, sometimes even if they, they are not bothered by that immediately, the consequences with the iron deficiency or tiredness or other things can mm. affect. So we'll look at the what are the possible causes which can give heavy bleeding. And as you mentioned before, that depending on the age group, like from the menarche to perimenopause, there are many different reasons that can give heavy menstrual bleeding. But International Federation of Obstetrics and Gynecology has given a very nice cause, like sort of a summary of all the possible causes for heavy menstrual bleeding. And that is called as a palm coin, which is palm like, coin, <laughs> palm coin. So which is like a very easy to remember or easy to assess sort of thing. In simple words, it is structural causes and non-structural causes. Mm -hmm. So I think we can start with the structural causes. So when we say palm coin, the P in the structural causes is usually polyps. Mm. Polyps can be seen in a different age group. In simple words, polyp is thickening of the endometrial lining. So in previous episodes, we mentioned that when we get menstrual period, the inner lining of the uterus get thick and shed as a menstrual period. Now, in some women, they develop it as a polyp. Polyp can be variable size. They can be cervical polyp or endometrial polyp. Some people have a bit of a tendency to develop polyp. Mm. When they get polyp, sometimes they get heavy period as well as cramps or sometimes they get bleeding in between periods. Mm -hmm. um, usually polyps are diagnosed with the ultrasound scan, but simple ultrasound scan sometimes is not able to differentiate between thick lining and endometrium. So there is another test we can do is called as a saline infusion ultrasonogram, and that can help to mm -hmm. delineate where the polyp is or how big the polyp is. Mm -hmm. And women can sometimes be a bit alarmed when we say, oh, we've had an ultrasound and it shows a little polyp. And most of the time it's nothing to be alarmed about, but it's something we'd always refer, I'd always refer as a GP to a gynecologist like yourself, just to make sure that is what it is and that it's nothing nasty Absolutely. that needs further treatment. 
Yeah, so most of the time, like 99%, it would be benign polyp. But in small percentage of patients, it can be malignant as well. So it is really important to investigate. And quite often with the gynecologist as well, they look at taking a biopsy or going for a procedure like a hysteroscopy, where we have a look inside the uterus to take a biopsy from this polyp. So mm -hmm. we can treat it in time. And that helps with the symptoms a lot. Mm. Yeah. Having said that, some patients may find that polyps may regress on its own as well. So sometimes they have a very heavy period and body naturally sort of sheds it out. But majority of patients, it doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that they need to see a specialist or need to have a biopsy and further intervention. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the A of that palm coin classification stands for adenomyosis, which we have mentioned briefly in a previous episode when we talked about endometriosis. So you might remember us saying that adenomyosis is often called the cousin of endometriosis. It's where the lining of the uterus grows into the muscle wall of the uterus. Um, and it's not medically dangerous, but it can cause heavy periods and, and bad cramping with periods. Um, and it can also affect fertility for some women. Um, having said that, almost a third of women will have no symptoms and it will just be picked up on an ultrasound for another reason. So that's how it is usually diagnosed on an ultrasound or if a woman's having a pelvic MRI for some reason. Yeah. Um, and it will just show this classic, sometimes it's called Venetian blind, but there are some classic changes that we look for on those scans. And, you know, we mentioned a little bit last episode when we talked about endometriosis that using hormonal contraception can be a really effective way of managing something like that. And the Marina IUD is a really good option yeah. there. So that reminds me of like a very interesting fact, like a few years back or say 10, 20 years back, adenomyosis was only diagnosed after hysterectomy. Mm. And we used to think that adenomyosis is more commonly seen in the late age group, like after 40s, and those who are multi-paris women. Multi-paris meaning women have had multiple babies. Multiple babies, yeah. So that was the like a historical perspective around the adenomyosis. So someone would have a heavy painful periods and go for a hysterectomy. And in the pathology specimen, after looking at the slides, they will say that, oh, this patient has adenomyosis because of the lining of the uteruses in the muscle wall. But with the development of ultrasound scan, mm -hmm. nowadays we can find it earlier as well. But quite often compared to endometriosis, the tricky part with the adenomyosis is because it is all over the uterine lining, you can't easily go for a surgery to remove it. Mm. So one of the best way is actually to treat it with the hormonally because it responds similar to the lining of the endometrium. So it responds really well to the hormonal management. Mm -hmm. So surgical management, if patient has finished family, comes to more of a hysterectomy rather than removing adenomyosis. Mm. But if it is not causing any problem, and in about one third patient, it won't cause any problem, we don't have to treat it. So quite often I say that uh, we don't need to treat the ultrasound scan. That's if right. patient have a problem, or if women has a problem, then definitely she will need some treatment. But because it was incidentally found on the ultrasound scan, we don't need to worry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. We treat the woman in front of us, yeah. and not necessarily a test result. And so... The L part of this palm coin classification stands for leiomyoma, which might sound a bit strange. And um, most women would know that by its more common uh, term, which is fibroids. Fibroids, yeah. So fibroids are a benign and um, smooth muscle tumor of the uterus. The word tumor can sound a bit scary, but it doesn't mean cancer. It's really just a buildup of that muscle tissue, and um, which can cause heavy periods and, and bad cramping or pelvic pain, or pressure on the bladder. 
and can cause issues with fertility if there's difficulty for an embryo to implant because of a big bulge there in the uterus and and can sometimes lead to issues during pregnancy like miscarriage but that's not so common and can cause no symptoms whatsoever so yeah. almost 50 up to 50 percent of women will have no symptoms so it's not necessarily anything to be worried about but it is a common cause of heavy periods particularly over the age of about 35 yeah, so with the fibroids, which is uh, leomyoma, or commonly known as a fibroid, they are a bit more common in certain ethnic groups, like mm. Asian or ethnic or Indian age, the people, the women, have more commonly seen to have a fibroids. Fibroids, depending on where they are, can give a different symptoms. So we consider fibroid is in the ball of the uterus, but if it is bulging inside the uterus, we call it as a submucosal fibroid, and submucosal fibroid tend to give more heavy periods or can cause uh, more chances of miscarriage or difficulty getting pregnant because if placenta sits on the those fibroids, then it can cause difficulty. So another type of fibroid is what we call as an intramural, which means that fibroid is completely in the wall of the uterus. Now, when we say wall of the uterus, it can be any measurement. So when we are not pregnant, size of the uterus is almost like a size of our feast. Mm -hmm. So it's really small size uterus. But the fibroid can vary from 2 centimeters to 10 centimeters, like any size fibroid can be there. And they can stretch whole uterus with the wall of uterus. And there is another type of fibroid which we call as a subserosal, which means which is bulging outside of the uterus. And these fibroids which are bulging outside of the uterus, because where they are sitting, they can give a different pressure symptom. Mm -hmm. So if it is sitting directly on your bladder, you will get symptoms like you need to go to the toilet all the time. Or you can feel very heavy or pressure symptoms. And sometimes it can cause pain, but more common symptoms with the fibroid is heavy menstrual bleeding. Other interesting statistic is like when with the nowadays with the advances in the management, there are many different options to treat the heavy menstrual bleeding. But still, one of the most common cause for hysterectomy, the operation where we remove the uterus, is fibroid. Mm. But I don't. It doesn't mean that every fibroid need a hysterectomy. Quite often, the treatment depends on patient's age, what their symptoms are whether there is increase in size of the fibroid or what their plans in terms of pregnancy are. And all those symptoms are really important. Another important factor is fibroids remain same size for many years. So we don't need to do anything about them if they're not giving any, giving any trouble. So if they're causing symptoms, definitely we need to treat it. But if they're not causing symptoms, we don't need to worry. 99% fibroids are benign. Mm -hmm. Only 1% of the fibroid can have some what we call as a malignant changes or some nasty changes, which we call as a leomyosarcoma when we are worried about cancerous changes in the fibroid. Particularly if fibroid is increasing in size very quickly or if it is very large fibroid, then we are a bit more worried about the possibility of a leomyosarcoma. And we're going to talk in more detail next week a lot more about fibroids and about the different management options, both for fibroids and some of the other causes of heavy bleeding. But you did touch on a pretty important word there, uh, which leads us to the next thing to think about with heavy menstrual bleeding, and that's malignancy. So malignancy meaning a cancerous change of the tissue. And by that, what we're usually talking about is the endometrial lining, which is the lining of the uterus that women usually shed every month. And in some women, that can have like a very enthusiastic overgrowth, and that's called endometrial hyperplasia, where those cells are abnormally thickened. and, and when your cells are dividing and thickening quite rapidly and 
at an irregular pace, sometimes those cells can become abnormal and atypical. Um, And so if that's not picked up and it's not treated over time, that abnormal thickening might develop into cancerous cells. And so that sort of change can cause heavy periods or can cause bleeding between periods or postmenopausal bleeding. And, and that's something that we'd call a red flag, something that we wouldn't want to just monitor. If any woman has bleeding postmenopausally, meaning it's been more than a year since her last period, and then for some reason she's starting to get a new bleed and that's not otherwise explained, for example, having just started hormone replacement therapy, that might be acceptable. And that's something that definitely needs to be investigated with a doctor. Um, And usually the first step would be to have an ultrasound to have a look at how thick that lining is. Um, And we've got limits of what we would expect at different ages or different menopausal status. So we could accept quite thick in a woman before menopause, but after menopause, we would really expect that to be really thin, less than five millimetres. So if that is found to be thickened, that'll need some further testing. And um, as a GP, if I organised an ultrasound for a woman, and found that she had abnormal thickening of the lining, I'd refer to you, pre-TAM, or to a gynecologist who could do a biopsy and with that hysteroscopy procedure that you've mentioned, which is a little camera into the uterus. Yeah, so that's a very important thing you highlighted because, uh, as we said, that the heavy menstrual bleeding is very common, but some of the import, like more common causes are benign, but some causes are malignant. And that's why it is really important that we check in time mm. that if there is any abnormal bleeding. And particularly red flags are intermenstrual bleeding, bleeding after sexual intercourse or bleeding after menopause. Mm. Now, I want to highlight here that sometimes women are sort of a, in a bit of a denial. So sometimes after menopause, when they had no periods for 12 months, and if they notice some blood while uh, wiping on the tissue paper or they may notice some brownish discharge or blood mixed discharge which typically is not like a period like bleeding but we still need to investigate that Mm -hmm. because that can be some early sign of changes other important thing i would like to highlight when we were talking about endometrial hyperplasia which is abnormal thickening of the uterus uh, uterine lining which we consider as a sometimes pre-malignant condition. Mm. So before malignancy develops, there is some abnormal thickening of the lining. And when we send it to pathology, it comes back as what we call as a complex hyperplasia. There are some high-risk factors which predisposes to develop the endometrial hyperplasia. So those who have what we call as a metabolic syndrome, so risk of diabetes, hypertension, high body mass index, or history of polycystic ovary syndrome, they are a bit more prone to develop endometrial hyperplasia. So in those sort of background, if you get heavy menstrual bleeding, it's really important to get the ultrasound scan. And if ultrasound scan shows thick lining, it's really important to get the procedure to get Mm -hmm. the biopsy done. So that is really important. Mm -hmm. And particularly with anyone gets a little bit scared when we talk about C word or cancer, but important part or important message I want to give here is that if we diagnose it early, we can treat it much better. That's right. And, you know, if it is um, something that's picked up when it's pre-cancerous, um, a lot of the time that can be managed just with a hormonal method like the Marina yeah. um, or tablet progesterone. And, yeah. But, of course, if a biopsy did show some cancerous cells, that would need further treatment. And, and often that's a time that hysterectomy might be considered. Yeah. Um, 
And there are some things which women have control over and some things which women don't have control over. And of course, we don't expect women to be able to reverse their PCOS or mm. reverse, you know, whether they have children or not. That's not a modifiable risk factor. Um, but if women can reduce alcohol and reduce smoke or stop smoking, those are things that are um, avoidable risk factors. And, and we would generally recommend not smoking, trying to have a healthy weight as best as possible and just checking in early if you're noticing changes to your cycle. So we completed the palm side of the possible causes for heavy menstrual bleeding, which are more of a structural causes of heavy menstrual bleeding. Now we are talking about the coin, which are non-structural causes. So that is another important thing I want to highlight, that if you have a heavy menstrual bleeding and you did an ultrasound scan and that's normal, does not mean that there is no other cause that can cause this mm. heavy menstrual bleeding. I think that's a good point because when a woman does come in with heavy bleeding, we don't know as the doctor what the cause is going to be. And so we should generally be doing checks for many possible causes. And that would usually involve both an ultrasound and that would be an internal scan, which means the probe into the vagina, as well as blood tests looking for non-structural causes, which we'll go through in a moment, as well as sometimes we'll organise a pap smear and some swabs just to make sure there's no unexpected causes like an infection, for example. So with the coin, the first cause we talk about is coagulopathy, which means like a um, problem with the blood clotting mechanism of our body. So our bodies have a bit more tendency to bleed. Typically, coagulopathy is more commonly seen in women who have just started their period. So from almost from first period, they start getting very heavy periods uh, because their blood is not clotting, so they keep on bleeding. Uh, other Some of the other medical conditions, so if someone has some hematological condition which has a tendency to cause more bleeding like a von Willebrand disease or abnormal liver function because of some other condition or if patient is on medication to keep their blood thinner, uh, they tend to have more bleeding which we think is related to coagulopathy. And so that's something which when we talk to women they'll often describe problems with bleeding in other areas so possibly easy bruising or nosebleeds and usually been going on for a long time as you mentioned from when periods started and there might be a family history of similar issues so if we talk to women through you know, their history and their family's history particularly the women in that family and what their periods were like most of the time we can really identify you know hold on that might actually be a more systemic issue like a bleeding problem rather than something to do with the uterus alone but it's something which generally we would get some advice from a hematologist about the best way of managing that for the particular woman in front of us. Um, and there are some treatments which are more effective than others. So there's a medication called tranexamic acid, which really can be helpful at helping blood clot more effectively. Um, and there's some medications we might avoid, like anti-inflammatories, because that can actually uh, thin the blood a bit further. Um, and so if the blood is already thin, that would only make the problem worse. Yeah, so that's really good point you mentioned that um, hematologist, the doctor who is specialized into blood and blood related disorder would be the best person to look after these patients because they can have some other generalized symptoms and effects because of that. And another important thing you mentioned was about the medication. So generally, if women are getting heavy or painful periods, some medications are available over the counter, like a Ponstan which is one of the anti-inflammatory medication. And in most other patients, it will help with the pain and heavy bleeding. But those who have a coagulopathy, 
that is not recommended because mm. it may affect the platelet function and may affect the bleeding disorder for them. Similarly, tranexamic acid is really good first line of treatment for heavy bleeding and that would help in some of those patients. Yeah. Mm. We'll probably talk in a bit more detail next episode about how each of those medications work, um, but just good to know that there are options there. And um, So the next part of that coin uh, nomenclature is ovulatory dysfunction. So that means that ovulation is maybe not happening as routinely or as clockwork as it could be. And so either ovulation is not happening at all or it's happening irregularly or abnormally. So that's common in uh, puberty and it's actually normal when periods start. And it's common in perimenopause because periods are starting to wrap themselves up leading to menopause. But having long stretches between cycles, it does give your lining that time to build up a bit more, which can lead to heavy periods and flooding. There's also some other um, conditions which can cause irregular ovulation. So polycystic ovarian syndrome, we discussed the last couple of episodes, and that's one of the most common causes of irregular periods, and that can be a cause of heavy periods. But also underactive thyroid can cause your periods to become quite irregular because you're not ovulating as, as you should be. Um, and so checking thyroid function should be a normal part of looking into heavy periods. And similarly, extreme changes in weight, either sudden weight loss or weight gain or over-exercising, that can affect how you ovulate and that um, lack of ovulation can cause heavier periods when they do occur. And so that's a big one for us to think about. And usually we would pick that up on blood tests by looking at hormone levels and thyroid hormone, as well as some of the, the reproductive hormone levels. And so a woman might describe that her periods are irregular, might describe light periods sometimes and very heavy fl flooding periods at other times um, and just real unpredictability. And that would give us a clue that that might be the cause. Of course, we would still do an ultrasound as part of that workup, still do the the full lot of bloods and um, and then depending on what we find you know, if we do find that the thyroid is underactive that can be simple to treat just by giving a bit of extra thyroid hormone or if we identify polycystic ovarian syndrome that leads to a bigger conversation about PCOS so you can mm -hmm. go back to listen to those episodes that we've done on PCOS and you might find that really helpful yeah, definitely. And this is, again, one of the very common causes and the, like the medical causes you mentioned. But similarly, some lifestyle factors like going through a lot of stress mm. or big changes in life, like moving to different country or starting a university or having a like a, starting a new exercise regime or, or weight loss, weight gain. They can also cause a bit unovulation. So you don't ovulate as normal and the lining gets really thick and gets really heavy periods. Uh, and as you mentioned, in next episode, we'll go in detail about the different management options. So I will move to the next um, cause, common cause for the heavy bleeding, which is called, called as a endometrial. So endometrial is the lining of the uterus. So if there is a problem in the lining of the uterus, sometimes women can get heavy menstrual bleeding or abnormal uterine bleeding. Typically, we see this as a, what we call as a chronic endometritis, which is mm -hmm. like an inflammation of the endometrium. It usually happens after some intervention. So sometimes after uh, delivery, women has a little bit of a placental bits there and they keep on bleeding. And then there is a bit of an infection or inflammation. Or if someone had an abortion or miscarriage, they get endometritis. Or in some women, 
if they have what we call as a pelvic inflammatory disease, mm. which is uh, related to infections like a chlamydia or gonorrhea, that can affect the lining of the uterus. And those women can develop bleeding in between periods or bleeding after sexual intercourse. So that can cause some abnormal bleeding. And as you mentioned, that we need to investigate and find out what can be the cause for this one. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then uh, something you did mention a bit earlier, which was thinking about medical things that might cause problems. So that leads to the next part of that palm coin, which is iatrogenic. Hard to say, <laughs> hard to understand, but basically it means it's a medical cause. So something that we have done, either a medication that we've prescribed or an operation, which has led to consequence of heavy bleeding. And mm-hmm. um, so one of the most common would be something like the copper IUD. So that's intrauterine device, which is used as a contraceptive and very effective as a contraceptive, but it commonly does cause heavier and sometimes more painful periods. And some other medications can impact on the lining of the uterus as well or influence ovulation or influence clotting overall. And so blood thinners are a perfect example of that, like warfarin or aspirin. And and so a woman might need those medications or might need the copper IUD, but it might be a cause or a factor contributing to this flow-on problem of heavy periods. And that's something that's worthwhile considering and talking about know possible alternatives if that's the case yeah so that's really good to mention that sometimes we are trying to treat one problem like we are trying to treat look uh, non-hormonal way of having contraception and that can give you heavy periods or in some patients due to some other medical condition they are on the anticoagulation Mm -hmm. medication or chronic steroids or something and that can cause imbalance and that can cause what we call as idiopathic causes of heavy bleeding now the next Classif- next uh, category of the con- palm coin classification which suggests about the common causes of heavy bleeding is actually suggested not classified. So, so an th- umbrella, everything else. <laughs> everything else. <laughs> so it involves something what we call as um, AV malformation. So where there are abnormal blood vessels inside the uterus, which sometimes after delivery or sometimes after procedure they have developed and they can cause heavy bleeding, which is one of the rare rare causes, but can happen. Or in some other patients, there is the uterine wall thickness, which is not very specified as adenomyosis or uh, fibroids, and that can be a cause. So any other cause, we put that in this not classified. Any other (laughs) other cause. So I think we can wrap up our program here. But I think I would like to highlight some red flags again, that if bleeding is really heavy and affecting day-to-day life, that needs to be treated. Similarly, if there is a bleeding in between period after sexual intercourse or after menopause, those are considered as a warning signs and needs to see your local GP first and may need to see gynecologist after that. Other patients who I would consider as a red flag is after age of 45, if you're getting very heavy bleeding and the bleeding is not controlled by medical treatment. So you have tried probably tablets or uh, Mirena or something and bleeding is not controlled. Then I think that needs to be investigated Mm. to check how things are. Or if you have a history of uh, risk factors uh, or ultrasound suggests that there is quite thick lining, then that needs to be investigated further. Mm, yeah. yeah, I think that's a really good place to leave it. And just a, a bit of a summary is that this is a common problem. Um, it affects a lot of women and may very well affect you, our listener. And not to be frightened that it's necessarily an, a nasty or a dangerous cause, but it certainly can have 
a lot of impacts on day-to-day life and so it is a really important thing to bring up and there are some really simple steps that we can take as doctors to work with you to to get that quality of life back on track don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to the podcast if you do have any questions about this topic or other women's health topics please message us on our instagram full circle podcast or email us at fullcirclewomenshealthpodcast at gmail.com Thank you.